Would you turn with me to Isaiah 35? Let's visit this wonderful chapter once again as we deal with holiness. I want to talk to you today about destined holiness. Destined. You know, in the world we're living today, we need to be reminded of what God has called us to do. Among all the chaos and the uncertainty and the unrest, you know, God has called us to fix our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. I can tell you for sure that heaven is a holy place. I sure don't know all about it, but it'll be the most wonderful experience that we'll ever imagine. I'm reminded uh, a bit of wisdom. Sometimes a little child can teach you so much. One of my grandsons, Noah, his mother was sharing with me the other day, said recently after viewing the horrific chaos of the rioters running into the capital and all that was going on, she asked Noah, says, Noah, what do you think about this world, given it's the place you're going to be growing up in? And Noah said, Mama, I'm not worried about it. Because I'm going to heaven. And when I get there, Jesus is going to give me a puppy. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think there'll be puppies in heaven, actually. But I know that it'll be the most wonderful place it could ever be. I thought about that, what Noah said. And, you know, maybe that's where we all ought to be. Simple, childlike faith understanding that we're not going to worry about this world. It doesn't mean that we're not praying about it and we're not involved in it. We are in the world, but we don't have to be of it. We don't have to let it take us and swoon us and influence us so that creates doubts and fears. Let's don't let what's wrong with the world Get in front of what's right with God. God has a destiny for you. It's called holiness. It's called heaven. I want to talk to you about that today. and You ought to like this message. I'm going to try to tell you how holy you are. Most of the time I try to tell you how sinful we are. Only problem with it, though, you're probably not going to agree with me. <laughs> I understand that, too. But God's ways are not ours, but they're always the right way. Here in Isaiah 35, God provides us a way. Right in the middle of the disobedience of Israel and the prophet Isaiah's sending by God to deal with it, he lifts out a most wonderful chapter, Isaiah 35. I want to read it. It's only 10 verses. I want to ask God to help me try to say a few things that would honor Him and encourage you and me to live like God wants us to and is actually destined us to. In verse 1, the Bible says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. I just want you to notice the contrast of the wilderness and a lonely place 
becoming blossoms and flowers. Even abundantly, verse 2, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. There's no might or if, they shall see God's glory. God is not going to share his glory with another. Nothing in this world will diminish the glory of God. Not a corrupt government, not a pandemic, not a problem that we face. In verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Now he's not talking about salvation the first time eternally. He's talking about coming to confirm the salvation that he's already finished. See, what we need in the world today when we're talking about destined holiness is not to get saved all over again, but to go back and flee to the one that is our source of holiness and confirm in us that we are holy in him and that our way is destined by God. And it says that here. Uh, the first point I want to try to make, dealing with destined holiness, and I want to go to the New Testament in a minute, but from this verse 4 is this. Destined holiness is because of our union with Jesus Christ. That is how we're destined to holiness. And we're going to look at Romans 6 and see that in a minute. And then in verse 5, the Bible says, And the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the habitation of dragons, which each, where each lay shall be grass with reeds, and rushes. That's grace, you know, all over as I see it. And so I want to try to say secondly, not only does the union with Christ that we have in Christ destine our holiness, but secondly, we need to realize that God's grace is irresistible. Irresistible grace is another reason, secondly, that we have destined holiness. His grace is irresistible. It's effective. It brings something out of nothing. Only God can do that. We see here water breaking out of the desert and parched ground becomes a pool. I mean, grace leads us to God's destined holiness. In fact, grace that doesn't lead to holiness not, is not really grace. It's some sort of man-made scheme. It's some sort of um, temporary remedy. Maybe like a stimulus check or something, but it won't last. But God's grace will. Okay? And then verse 8, And a highway shall be there, Right in this wilderness, a highway, 
Not a little pig trail, but something very prominent. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. And so thirdly, I want to say, for its destined holiness, not only from our union with Christ, not only because of God's irresistible grace, but because holiness is God's main point. That's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins, that we would be holy. And so God has provided a way to be holiness. He's actually provided a highway. And so, let's go to verse 9. No line shall be there that is on this holy highway, nor any ravenous beast shall go up there on. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk therein. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion, and with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. <laughs> That's what holiness does. And so fourthly, I want to say that destined holiness, because of it, because of the surety that we have of it, because it's of God, that it's God's plan, it's worked out by God's irresistible grace, and because of the union we have with Christ. Fourthly, I want us to see that because of all that, we can face life. We can face our trials. And we can do it with joy. See, God has destined us to be holy because He knows that and only that will make us happy. A clear conscience will be your best friend when it comes your time to die. Why does God say that we're to rejoice all the time? To be full of joy. He says that because he's destined to be holy. Because of what God has given us, namely his Holy Spirit, we cannot be happy unless we're holy. So God makes us holy. What I mean by holy is that we live a life that every day we do, every day is under the scrutiny of God. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we want to be. What it means is, though, we're honest with God about how we're trying to live. We understand that God has a destiny, the holiness. And I want you to know that God is very, very serious about how His people live. He has sent pandemics and plagues multiplied times in the Old Testament and the New to either deal with an unholy nation or chasten one that has gotten off the path of holiness. And I believe God is doing that today. I want you to see with me because of God's almightiness, His sovereignty, and we have to grip that, don't we? Either God is sovereign or God is not. Either God is in control of this world or God is not. 
But we need to understand, if we're going to say that God is in control, that he's sovereign, we better understand that God is holy. And God has called us to be holy. And so we have this great privilege as God's people. And so we have this way that we can come to God. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to tell you that you have, as a believer, every newborn believer, every born-again believer, rather, has a holy inheritance in Christ. Now, you know what? We don't all feel that as strong. Most of us feel how unholy we are. But here's the deal. When you're born again, until you, and only then, will you understand what sin is. So when you struggle with sin, you take that as a call of God's holiness. It is a a manifestation that God has called you to be holy. Because by the new birth, God puts his Holy Spirit in your heart. And God has arranged it so that your principles are different than they used to be. I think about the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament, you think about Israel. I often wonder how they could manifest, have see the, the Red Sea parted. And all the miracles and the plagues that God did to free them from Egyptian bondage. And in a little while, it seems like they're in the promised land and they, they forget about God. They ended up uh, partaking of the, of, the, of the godless rituals and worship of pagan gods. But you know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament like it was given in the New Testament. In Hebrews 8, God says, I'm going to give them a new covenant. <laughs> And that new covenant is God writing his law upon your heart. Why does God do that? Because he's nesting us to holiness. Because what happens when we realize what holiness means, we know that we're not holy, so we have to flee to Jesus, who is holy. Now I want you to look at, with, I mentioned the points, I want to kind of go over and briefly Make a few statements about that from God's Word. First, the union with Christ. That means we become one with Christ. That means what Christ did, we did. Okay? We need to understand that Christ is holy. He is a man from God. He is the God-man. He's both God and he's man, okay? But he never ever sinned. Never even thought of sin. We do that multiplied times. <laughs> but never Jesus. Not only that, his motivation was always holy. He came in this world and he sat with unholy people. The Bible says he ate with sinners, but he never 
became a sinner. He always did what pleased the Father. He, he even asked the people that were accusing him, can you find anything wrong with what I've done? John 8. It's important that we see the holiness of Christ because we're in union with Him. So that means if Jesus is holy and we are in Jesus, then we are holy. Now that's hard for me to say. But we don't have any holiness of our own. Now did Jesus die for your sins or not? Are you forgiven or not? You see, God's business through Christ is a finished business. God's sin debt being paid is a paid debt. Because of Jesus. God's work on the cross is a finished work. See, all of, uh, of eternal life is based on union with God. John 17, the cry of Jesus and the purpose of him coming. Not was because he felt sorry for us. His becoming us or coming to be human and living this sinless life and dying and paying the debt was to make us one with Him. You take the word atonement, how our sin was paid, and you put some hyphens in a couple places. At hyphen one hyphen month. So Jesus coming is makes us at one with God. And it is so solid and so holy, holy that nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever come between that. It's called justification. And, and so a person that, that really doesn't understand justification and worries about it a little bit is justice. Forgiven, though, is a person that is deep into it. That's justification. It's the declaration that God made. Well, let's look at Romans 6 right quick. We're talking about union with Christ. It's how we're destined to holiness. I just don't want you to give up. Because I know all too well, Satan's greatest tool is discouragement. So don't you start walking on this road of holiness and say, well, you know, I'm not going to make it. Verse 6 of Romans 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That him is Jesus. Crucified is died. Death. The wages of sin is death. Okay? So you and I were crucified with Jesus. Now, you, might, you don't have to realize that for this to be true. <laughs> okay? You don't. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Okay? Now, we still have sin in us, but we don't have sin on us. Why? Because Jesus died for our sin. And we 
died with him. Verse 1 of Romans 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? What he's talking about is how can we let sin dominate our life? That is our part in holiness. We're not to let sin rule us. We're to to be confident that we have union with Christ and we're basing our merit of righteousness completely upon His. You see, holiness is foreign to us by nature. Okay? And so you need this a lot. Because holiness is important to you. I know it is as believers. That's because God has put His Spirit in us. You know, uh, last Thursday night, Thursday week, I, I forgot conference. I mean, just flat forgot. You say, well, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. It broke my heart. Brother Todd called me and said, Brother Randy, is everything okay? I said, I think so. He said, well, we're here at conference and we're just hoping everything's okay. <laughs> I mean, I felt about that high. I told Brother I'm so ashamed. So embarrassed. I, I sent Brother Lindsay a text. You know, he's asked me to do a devotion. I never even thought of it. I mean, maybe, maybe it was that senior moment. I don't know. But I mean, frankly, I never thought of it. But, but here's the deal. And you might not understand this. I mean, that Thursday night, I mean, by Friday, any little preacher has to have a sermon pretty much in way. So my, my, my heart was, how am I going to preach to, to a people that, that I didn't even, that I've let down, that I didn't even show up? People that pray for me. People that, that have given me the great privilege of being a part of their walk of faith with the Lord Jesus. I mean, I was just going down. I mean, I was beating up on myself pretty bad. But still, what grabbed me and took me back to where I needed to be was I was reminded <laughs> that my holiness was not in Randy, <laughs> but in Jesus. So I confessed to the board of deacons after I confess to God. Now that's just one little episode. You're going to have them too. But it makes a difference when you're walking in this world because you're going to have failed. And the devil's greatest tool is discouragement. I mean, he could have said, well, Randy, you don't even need to be preaching. I mean, why do you want to try to get up there and act like you don't preach? You don't even come to conference. <laughs> I mean, he can multiply ways to do it. And that's how he deals, does it. But what, what it is, you, you got the holiness part. It's not me. I hope I don't mess it up, but I may. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be what Randy does. It's going to be what my Lord does and your Lord does. So we see the union with Christ. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Jesus says this, he saved us and he called us. Notice the order. And he's called us, that's not according to our work of righteousness (laughs) not us but because of him Jesus so secondly it's because we're destined to hold this secondly is that that we 
We're dealing with a God that has blessed us with a profound, powerful gift of irresistible grace. You know what that means? That is the means that God uses to bring people to Jesus. You cannot say, well, let's just give them a light and they'll find their way. 2,000 years ago, they crucified the lighthouse. It's not a matter of having light or having water. It's a matter of groping in the darkness and being thirsty. And to have that appetite, it takes grace. And so when God saves us and regenerates us, See, our destiny is in God's hands completely. We are spiritually dead until God intervenes. And when that happens, because of the union we have with Christ, His perfect Holy Son, then we start to deal with the sins that we've committed. And we start paying attention to how we live. And we start appreciating God's grace in ways we never have before. And doesn't mean that God's going to bring us to heaven, a holy place, kicking and screaming. I mean, he's not going to run you down and tie you up and throw you in heaven. Though grace can be resisted to a point. Don't ever doubt that. What it does mean, though, it will never be finally and effectively resisted. Because we are destined to be holy. See, what happens after a new birth is repentance. Conscience repentance. Followed, though, by unconscious holiness. I would say you're more holy than you'd ever imagine. See, holiness is not about trying to live a life that you're going to be some sort of showcase Christian. You're going to be a trophy somewhere for God to show off. No, uh uh-uh. The holiness God's called us is to show Jesus. Manifest Jesus. You see, he's the one that gets the attention, the credit, because he's the one that is our holiness. And we live that in our everyday lives. Your relationships. You know, God's word says even the marriage bed is holy and undefiled. So being holy, it's not just that, well, I gotta, I gotta be a, a, a nun or a, a monk. No, it's living your life every day in an unholy world where there's pandemics and where there's government and you live it to enjoy God and be the light and influence for holiness to others. Okay, thirdly, God's main point is holiness. God used an illustration of marriage again in Ephesians 5. He says, a man shall love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? that she might be presented holy 
without spot, without wrinkle. That's why God sent his son to the cross to make you holy. That is God's plan. That's always been God's plan. And he's always provided a way for us to be holy. Uh, Sacrifices in the Old Testament. His word. Jesus Christ. (laughs) He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God. That is holiness. You could take Romans 8.28 and change the good to holy. And it will work. It will work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God has put it in there. And you can say all things work together for holiness to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. I want to tell you, everything in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the mixed up, the hurt, the loss, all comes to you through a sovereign, merciful, holy God for one purpose, to make you holy. See, you and I are predestined to be conformed to holiness. That's Jesus. That's what he chose you to do. He didn't choose you because you were holy. He chooses you to make you holy. And you better well believe he's doing it. Now how we respond to that has going to have a lot to do with how severe chastening we get from God. Because his chastening, according to Hebrews 12, is for one purpose. Holiness. You go read it. God doesn't just whip us. God doesn't just send pandemics in 9-11. Just for accidents. He sends them to call His people to come to Him. To acknowledge Him. See, I shared you my little episode of, of where my unholiness filtered out. But see, you got them too because holiness is not public. Holiness is what's going on in your heart between you and only you and God. That's holiness. It's not to impress somebody else. It's not getting a second blessing. It's not trying to speak in tongues or or rolling in a church floor. Rather, holiness will make you humble. All right. I got one more quickly. This is God's main point. See, God's not just a blessing machine, you know. I mean, we just don't come to God and need a blessing. We come to God because He's holy. And we've got to be holy. And He's destined that way. And sometimes He changes our plans to do it. But all the time, He changes our heart. You know, we can face our trial when we understand that we're destined to holiness. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, who by the way, remember, wasn't always on the highway of holiness. You know, I said, God allows you turns. Your life can be a mess. 
But God's irresistible grace, that prodigal came home. Why? Because he was called a holiness. You see, we've got to understand, again, I said a while ago, I believe I did, heaven's a holy place. So, so you think God is going to allow an unholy people to go to a holy place? <laughs> I would say it would be far worse for an unsaved person to go to heaven than it would be for a person that God has saved and redeemed by his grace to go to hell. And by the way, there's only two places, heaven and hell. And God sets the destiny. God does it. And it ought to humble us. It ought to cause us to cry out to Jesus. You realize that you're walking in this life, whatever it is, Whatever happens this year, it doesn't matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat president, that's not going to change your holiness. That's not going to change what God has called you to deal with, no matter what you face. I think most of us this year have thought more about dying than we've ever thought before. I really do. Young and old alike. All right, here's what Apostle Paul said for a go. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is hand. Here's Paul looking at death. Can you look at your death? We don't know, do we? And can you have assurance that God has given you a sure destiny? Not on what you've done, but on what Christ has done, okay? He says, I'm ready to be offered. Now he's talking about a sacrifice. God says in his word that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I would get that through Christ. Paul says, I'm ready. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. See, he looks down at the grave. And he says, okay. That's all right. See, this is what having confidence about your holy destiny will do. And then he looks behind. He says, what about my ministry? All of my life. He says, well, I fought a good fight. He didn't say he won every battle. He didn't say he was sinless. In fact, he says, I'm the worst of all sinners. <laughs> but he says, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, and keeping the faith is keeping in mind your view of your destiny to holiness, which means you keep in fresh on your mind that Jesus died for you and that he has imputed his magnificent holy righteousness in you. So that in a sense, according to 1 John 3, that you cannot sin. In other words, your lifestyle, you can't live like the world. You don't want to live like the world. Though you can backslide, you can fall away. But the hound of heaven will come after you. He loves you. He's going to wake Israel up one day. He is. 
And he's going to make them holy. As he called them to be. The first time. You know, isn't it amazing? Well, I know I think of my life and the failures that one day I'll be able to stand through redemption and all of that will be redeemed. <laughs> and all of those things we felt like we failed so much at and so many inconsistencies, so much yearning in our heart, things we don't understand, God is going to complete that. Paul says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Holiness. You see what he was focused on? His destined holiness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. That's what God, that's you and me. You know, Jude, and I'll close, I promise I will. One chapter in Jude, so powerful, verse 20 and 21 says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Eternal life. And verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, listen to that, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. What a blessing. To the only wise God, our Savior, the glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless us. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your holiness. And we pray, Lord, as we begin this new year that we want more of it. We can all remember, Lord, if we're honest, of highways, most of us that have many years on us at all, that were once dirt roads, dusty, muddy when it rained, sandy when it was dry. But now they're paved. Oh God, you have a way of taking our broken lives and paving it with your holiness so that we can walk with something under our feet that is solid and smooth and that will hold us up to deal with all the curves and bridges of life we must cross. Thank you, God, for giving us your holiness and providing for such a wonderful destiny. So many of us, Lord, have, have messed up our lives in certain ways. Even your great patriarchs. But it was never so much that you haven't made a way of holiness. And we are so thankful, oh God. Bless us to live for you who died for us. To remember, your dying for us was to make us holy for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.